bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hey, everybody, and welcome to A Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Brion, and my lovely co-host slash everything person, Catherine G. Mendoza. Say hi to the people, Catherine. Hello. Hello, people. People, you will be seeing like me in super light if you're watching or some kind of dimness but there's just a lot of light I'm very lucky I have a lot of light in like you know like I'm one of those there's memes that say if you have really natural light in your home how does it feel being God's favorite and it's amazing it's amazing Jesus loves Catherine guys yes all my all my like rooms have really great light yeah they do I've been there I've been to her easy that's right, guys. We've had sleepovers. I've been to yeah. her house. <laughs> You're welcome for the fantasies later on, guys. Um, yeah, so, okay. I had this thing come up this week that kind of bothered me, so I wanted to talk to you about it. Because I think it happens to a lot of people in general, but especially with artists. Somebody compared me to another comedian this week. Um, and I'm not going to mention any names. I'm not going to say, like, who it was, but, like, I get this a lot. I've gotten it throughout my career. Oh, you're like so-and-so or so-and-so is like you or this person sounds like you or this person has your cadence or this person has, or even like this person has a similar joke to you or whatever. Like that's a little bit different of a situation, but like comparison in the comedy community, like I've just never been that person to fall prey to it because I feel like 90% of the time, the person making the comparison is trying to instigate you in some kind of way. Mm. trying to get you to be like oh word that person's trying to be like me like they're trying to like light a fire of jealousy under you and it just kind of I guess it's because where I'm at too in my life like I've read enough self-help books (laughs) that I'm like "Mm, you're not gonna take me to the place where you want me to be energy wise but I think it's really dangerous to get into the world of comparisons because I dated my ex-boyfriend used to do that all the time with other comics, he'd be like, oh, this girl's going to be more famous than you because she's younger. This girl's going to be bigger than you because, you know, she's prettier or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he would do that all the time. And it really, at the time, because when it's somebody directly connected to you, Mm -hmm. it's like they have that in to emotionally affect you even more because this is supposed to be somebody who's on your team. And when they say something like that, you're like, oh, this is this person trying to look out for me, trying to give me a warning? And you kind of like, Maybe I should step my game up. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. When that person is wrong for essentially gaslighting you in that way in the first place. Yeah, like they're trying to trigger you. Yeah, totally trying to trigger you. And I don't know if it happens. I mean, I'm sure it happens in the digital world and then like even with like producers and even with this, but I don't know that it happens as much as it does with performers. Um, yes. The only difference is um, there's a difference between you guys uh, get get um, the whole like your like you said performance your cadence or like the visuals right but yeah. then there's also there's not the comparison of the name right so I think that with people who aren't on camera a lot of it is the accolades like oh they got this opportunity or they're working with this person yeah. you know what I mean like what basically it's the resume it always comes down to the resume and the connects so it's the same comparison but also um, stories. 
So for instance, if you're a writer or, any, or a producer, a lot of the issue becomes, oh, but this person has like a really similar story to you. So what are you going to work on? Be you know what I'm saying? Like if our, cause some stories are similar, but I think that like, uh, I've heard this where it's like, oh, that Latino show came out. So like your show would be Latino. And it's like, there's so many things that my, my show would be different than said show over there, right? One of them is until I see, for me personally, until I see a show that is an Ecuadorian American from Brooklyn, that's not my show. Point blank period. That's not my show, right? And so, and even if I saw that, that's not my show. So I get it though, because the comparison does put you, when, when it does um, kind of feel a little close to home, because I have seen some stuff where I'm like, damn, I would have done that. Yeah. Damn, I would have said that. Yeah, it's easy to go into this black hole of like, so then what, what, where do I stand? Like, why didn't I get up the opportunity? Yeah. What makes them better than me? Yeah, they're trying, to, they're trying to trigger you. There's only one situation where they might not be trying to trigger you. And I've seen this happen um, with people, with like performers. People go, oh my God, I loved your show. It reminds me so much of, and then they bring up a person. Now in that, I don't think they're being malicious. I think they try and compliment. Yeah, I think they're genuinely trying to be like, oh, you're probably a fan of this person too. But it's only messed up if it's somebody you legit hate. Like in the industry, there's people that it's like, I don't even fuck with that person like that. Like you just brought up somebody that I actually legitimately dislike as a human being. And now I got to sit here and be like, oh, word, you think we're alike? <laughs> like, Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm going to go just shove a nail right through my eye because you think we're alike. Um, but I don't really mean any malice by it. Like when people are fans and they're- It's just on my butt, by the way. That's on your butt? Good for you, girl. Good for, I praise you for having a pillow on your butt. I'm my sorry. mom is so short that 90% of the time she is always sitting on pillows. <laughs> like she has a pillow in her car so she could reach the steering wheel. Like my mom's five feet. And so she sits on a little, and it's also for her butt. So her butt's comfortable. Like when you sit down for a long time, don't your booty hurt? Like a nice pillow under your booty feels good. Well, I got padding, so it takes a while. <laughs> I was like, mm, I bet you if we did a sitting contest, <laughs> you will beat me because I, 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 this chair that I have, I got very lucky that I purchased office stuff, um, like a year or so ago. So this has worked out for me because I have a chair that's comfortable. I have a pillow. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's in my favor, but if not, I would be suffering because my butt does hurt. My back does hurt, you know, like when I'm in these positions, but I do think it's because I ain't got no cheeks. Yeah, I do feel like cheekage does help. Cheekage does help when you're sitting for a long period of time. But, like, even for me, like, but now it's different because I have, like, a a person in me. So, like, sitting for a long time just becomes uncomfortable mm. because it starts to move around like, hey, oh, son, like, that's... That's so weird. Like, like I still feel it's weird. I know this sounds dumb, but it's so weird that a human being is living in you like i don't know if i would like that i know people be like it's beautiful i'm fascinated by it it's like there's times that i'm like ew stop moving that's nasty <laughs> like but like it's because it is you're just like ew gross like stop moving it feels like alien like it's just gonna pop out of my stomach but like there's a part of it that's just fascinating to me because it's like like yesterday i was watching a movie with my husband and we're sitting on the couch and we had set up the living room and everything. 
and the baby kicked, but like dumb hard, like a, a pay attention to me kick. Like it didn't hurt. It's just like it sent shock waves up the side of my body because he kicked dumb hard. And I was like, yo, yo, my man, yo, yo. That's so funny because I feel like you do have to start disciplining, quote unquote. Yeah, right away. <laughs> right away. Right away, son. I was like, yo, yo, my man, my man. I think I, I need you to chill with that, son. Like, you want my attention, that's cool. But, like, that kick, I felt that kick in my liver, son. Like, you need to chill. Starting to kick. You're starting to send sound waves with the kicks. I need you to just chill a little bit. So I put a, yo, I put, so I put headphones on my stomach, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that's normal. This is, I found out, I found this out yesterday, doing all this baby research. Because at night, I'll be looking up baby stuff. And I put, I always put on headphones. And I have recorded, like, messages that I recorded with my voice that I play for him and then I'll play music or whatever. And we have what I call mommy, mommy and me music time. And so- Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You made him a playlist? Yeah, dead ass, I'm not even lying. Uh, <laughs> 90% of it is my voice giving him different messages, like just talking to him, like he's a grown person. Because I'm like, I want you to get used to this tone of my voice. Like there's not gonna be no baby talk. Like. That's so funny. Hey, hold on. How much Mariah is on this mix? Surprisingly enough, no Mariah. And I'll tell you why. Um, I will sometimes play him some of my favorite songs. Yeah. Um, but like what I want to accomplish more than anything else is him getting used to the sound of my voice. Uh -huh. So that when he hears my voice, it's like, oh, mommy's here. Like, I want him to get used to that. He can hear you right now. Yeah, he can hear me all day. But when I put those headphones on, it's like our personal time. But I just found this out the other day. There was a doctor. I was watching this video. There is an intervaginal speaker that you can buy to insert in yourself so that the baby can hear you more clearly. Because a, putting a Toto speaker? Yes, a Toto speaker. A cooch speaker. <laughs> a cooch volume. Yes, a cooch volume. A box for your box, if you will. And you put it inside you, and the baby can hear you clearer, which is so nuts to me. Uh, <laughs> but I literally looked up the price of it because I was like, yo, I'll dead ass, I'll buy something like that just to better communicate. Because when they're hearing you, allegedly, what I was reading is when they're hearing you through the headphones, it sounds like sort of warbly. It's, it's going through Holy. skin and it's going through water and, the, and everything, you know. And so it doesn't sound clear. They get like a okay. warbled version of your voice. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So let me get this straight. <laughs> let me get this straight. So normally he can hear you right now. Yeah. But the voice is coming. It's pretty so far. So if it's already um, like warbly when you have the headphones on, then this is even more distorted, right? Yes. So there's levels to this. Mm -hmm. So the first level is warbly and far. Yes. The second level is like you whispering in his ear, but with a, with, with a face mask on. Yeah. Okay. And then the cooch volume. The cooch volume, yes. So it's like... With the headphones, it's like if you're screaming at him from the kitchen, but he's in the bedroom and he can hear you, but he doesn't exactly understand. Yeah. And the cooch volume is the point where you got mad enough. That now I'm in the doorway <laughs> of the bedroom and I'm like, I know you heard me say, pick up your dishes when you're done. 
I know you heard me say that, my man. This is all you are trained. Because I think that, like, whoever invented this, I'm going to assume they are Caucasian and female. Uh, I don't know if that's true because the doctor I was watching, I don't know if he invented it, though, was European and white. Yes, he was white, uh, European. I don't know if that counts. Like, white to me is, like, regular white. Well, it's not, it's not um, white American, but yeah. it is... It is Caucasian. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's of the Caucasians. <laughs> it is of the uh, Caucasian Americanus. <laughs> well, not of the Americanus. Of the world. What would you say if it's not Americanus? Caucasians. Just Caucasians. But yes, here's the reason. Because I Caucasian see the logic. I just don't think that people of color have gotten to the point where, where we have enough time to think about in pregnancy, what I want is this. Yeah. Which, you know, it's just pregnancy, what's coming next. You know, even in um, uh, developed countries or in this country, what I think is that I feel like when you put this in the hands of a person of color, we're using it, they're using it as a tool of communication, of bonding, yeah. of how to get to know your baby. We're using it as a tool of get ready. You better get ready, little sucker, because when yeah. you come out, this is the tone of my voice telling you, don't play with me. <laughs> when you hear me say, don't play with me, that means stop everything you're doing right now. And so you're doing it in three different levels. You're doing a far don't play. It's like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. don't play with me. <laughs> I said, don't play with me. Yeah, it's like he's, he knows every. Sound wave. Yeah. Of you know your... it is? Like when you were a kid, like, I don't know if your mom was like this. Like, when, my mom has this whistle. And when I tell you my mom's whistle is the most brolic, loud whistle you will ever hear in your life. It's we can hear it from blocks away. And we knew if we heard that whistle, it meant get your little ass back in this house. <laughs> did not hesitate as soon as soon as we heard that whistle oh shoot our guest is here do you want to do a quick intro before i bring her in well, intro her when she comes in all right here we go we're gonna get our guest in here right now i'm so excited for this guest yay yes. yes ladies and gentlemen jenny lorenzo a zoom applause for everybody y'all i did my face and my hair Mira, no tengo ajustado puesto, you know, why, why? Bro, you don't got to worry about that. I look good, though. From here up is all that counts right now. That's, that's all that counts right now. I have sweats on. Like, I don't care. I would not even matter. If I wasn't afraid that I would accidentally get up and readjust and y'all would see more than you need to see. <laughs> I would seriously be in my panties. Pants after this quarantine are going to be an issue for me. Oh, I know. That makes you realize how much, you know, people generally hate pants. Yeah. I'm like, why do I ever get dressed for anything? <laughs> I just want to buy more, like, dresses and, like, shit that's, like, you know, more oh, yeah. Throw it on me. So, oh. basically, batas. We just want to bring batas. <laughs> All day, every day, batas and nothing else. And now, remember we used to make fun of all the viejas in your neighborhood that would wear, like, straight-up robes and batas all day? And they now you get it. <laughs> yes. now I totally it. do. Right? They need to start bringing, watch, now Urban Outfitters is going to start selling them for, like, young hipsters. 
<laughs> oh yeah, without a doubt, we're gonna see hipsters and batas and be like, yo, we can't have nothing. <laughs> but also, <laughs> that's cute, and I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but that bata dress is cute though. I mean, you know, I have a collection. <laughs> yeah, she does. She is the OG bata collection. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm gonna do a little intro, just a little. Who are you? Well, first off, I'm <laughs> glad to have Jenny because Jenny's an actual dear friend. So this is exciting. Uh, yeah, so, I'm uh, eating. <laughs> it's okay. She's like, um, oh, you had to stop when I was chewing. Damn, you don't see. You can see I'm eating. I got super hungry out of nowhere, and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Girl, I was so proud because I got super hungry before we started and my lipstick stayed on through my snack. You know how when you have those small victories <laughs> where you're like, yo, this joint should be gone by now. And I looked in the mirror, I was like, oh, hey, okay. I hope happens to this one. Yeah, right? That's why I I have mine near me. At any point, I'm just, y'all going to be talking, I'll be like, mm-hmm, okay. No, <laughs> no, no shame whatsoever. I have none. I don't care. This, this, this is pandemic quarantine life. There's no time for shame anymore. So, oh really? Honestly. So let's go into um Jenny. How do we know each other? Jesus. Um, we met 2016. 2016, yeah. Um, I had oh, gotten yeah. I had gotten into BuzzFeed in 2016 as an intern, and she was already um uh, she was a class before mine. So yeah, you were. You had just become a video producer when I was an intern, and they were at the beginning, beginning of like getting the Pero Like contract. Because I had gotten there in January and Pero Like started within that month. Um, yeah. So Lati like American Latino content on BuzzFeed was brand spanking new. And so I kind of came in at a really interesting time because they were really experimenting like with an actual platform that was forming. Um, yeah, and I think that that's kind of what connected us because you know, it's like any Latino situation. You go into school, you meet the other Latinos, and you'd be like, you're Latino? I'm Latino? We Pretty friends. much. There's like three of us right? there. <laughs> you'd be like, I don't even know if I like you, but we friends now. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, that's how it was with me and Jasmine. Yeah, yeah. And when, when I've talked about Jasmine a million times. Jen, um, Gina knows. Uh, Jasmine's actually the person who introduced me to Jenny. Because I knew Jasmine, and then Jan Jasmine kind of like... Oh, that's brought, right. Yeah. yeah. A new kid into the little crew, and was like, hey, here's this person. She's from New York. She's Latina. And then that was it. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Jen, we have three questions for you. Okay. Very speed roundy questions. Rapid okay. fire. Yes. Where are you from? What is your zodiac sign? And how did you get into acting, writing, and directing? I Okay. Uh, well... Uh, I forgot the question, the first one already. <laughs> Quarantine brain. I'm a Scorpio. I know I skipped the first one. It's okay. Oh, where I'm from. I am from Miami, Florida, specifically born in Hialeah, raised in Westchester, hey. not New York, Westchester. That's, I hate that. You know that? I'm going to be real right now. Every time I say I'm from Westchester, people only think New York. But yeah. Westchester and Miami is like this super Cuban area. Um, I think it's like higher Cuban population than Hialeah. Hyalians will probably attack me over that. Um, and then I got into all of this since I was a little kid. I don't know, since I was like four, I started getting into uh, performing arts. Yeah, and you're a theater kid. I mean, I feel like we're all 
theater kids. Well, yes. every time everybody we talk to that's a performer has some sort of drama or theater background because I think when you're younger, that's really the only outlet you have is like, yo, there's a drama class. Like, I get to be extra on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it like, was I my safe space. Like, I, you know, not like I was a bad kidder. I talked a lot, but I wasn't, like, I did okay in school. I was like a B average student, I would say, across the board. I didn't, I didn't like studying. And, and it really, honestly, at the end of the day, it depends on the teachers. You know, you have a dope teacher, you're going to be really into that subject. You don't always have that luck, you know? So, for me, drama class was everything. Yeah. That was like, I would put all of my attention and focus into the plays and the competitions. And that was like my whole freaking life. <laughs> but when did you start? Cause this is something I find interesting with any performer of any like facet. When do you, when did you start writing like for yourself? Even if you didn't share it just for you. I was in the seventh grade. Mm. And it was because um, the school that I, I went to a tiny, tiny little Christian school in Miami, literally my one classroom is like 20 kids. Wow. Like it's that small, but our principal was, may she rest in peace. She was so freaking cool. Like she was all about, you know, theater and acting and vaudeville, all the old school type of like theatrical Um teachings that you don't really get all the time and so she was pretty adamant so from a very young age from the age of four through all the way to like eighth grade 14 years of age you had to compete in drama competitions it didn't matter every every single student had to learn a monologue had to perform it in class and the best students would go and compete as i got older you basically have these binders like the office would have these binders full of monologues and the kids would come and look through it and pick and I started feeling frustrated with the monologues. I was like, these aren't funny. And so I wrote my own. And it was, I guess back then the rules, you know, were very flexible. And so for two years in a row, I competed with pieces that I wrote myself. And I played multiple characters in both. So ya se me estaba saliendo the personality. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's like, I mean, I feel like that to me, I, I don't know, like Gina's a writer as well, you know? So it's like having those type of like instincts young says a lot about a person because it's easy to just find a monologue, recite a monologue, but to actually go, eh, I got one that's better and then actually do well with that. Yeah. You know, I'm, that that's, that's really, really interesting. And also I knew she was a Scorpio. I just needed to let them know she was a Scorpio. Yeah. I'm a nice Scorpio. Thank I you. love Scorpio female performers. Um, they are so dynamic. Yamanika is a Scorpio. They are so dynamic and fearless in what they execute. And I think that's what I love about them so much. When I've, when I've ever I've encountered another Scorpio female that's a creative, I love the fearlessness that they have and the full-on confidence of like, I don't need you to approve of this because I know it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I already know I'm a beast. Yeah, you can agree right now or you could agree after you see what I'm about to show you, but I'm a beast. <laughs> you know, I need to, like, up my confidence a little bit. Um, but, <laughs> no, it, it's there, but you know how it is, like, as, especially as a female comedian. <sighs> yeah. Uh, There's a sensitivity of the work that you create. Like, you create something, and to the world, 
you know, it's one thing. And to you, it's this baby that you've created that you've incubated for a given amount of time. And then you put it out there and it's subject to different interpretations, to judgments, to things. And performers in general, I don't care what your zodiac sign is, you are sensitive because you create something and you put it out there. And so I completely understand how like, for a lot of people too, we were just talking comparisons earlier, how your self-esteem can be affected by things like that because yeah. you know what the viewing public doesn't realize or doesn't take into account is how much vulnerability you are giving of yourself in sharing your work especially with you who creates characters creates content it's coming from a very personal place yeah so um i know i've shown okay so we have to do a whole bunch of research on people so i like the my stalking phase of this I sent Gina a like Gina has seen your stuff, but I sent her all of my favorite things. Yeah. Um, and so she had like a few questions about like your character universe. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, because I feel like I know all of this about you. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm like I can literally write an entire película based on my characters already. Yeah. I really could. Yeah, it's definitely something that like I I get fascinated with. Um, the world, the digital world and viral videos and creating characters. You know, as a stand-up comic, the thing that's so different for us is that we're constantly in the driver's seat as ourselves. Not, we don't always create a character. So that's our level of vulnerability is as a comic, if I go yeah. on stage and nobody likes me, they don't, they don't like me. It's me they don't like. I didn't create <laughs> Gina Brion. That is me. Like you don't like me as a person. My opinions, my face, the tone of my voice. But like as a character, yeah. you have so much room to play with things you want to be, things you are afraid to be, things you experience. You get to put that all into a character. And so watching uh, all this, all of your stuff last night, I just sent Kat this list of questions and and. The first one, um, which is always a crazy ask for me because I feel like it's different with every influencer, with every person who's had viral videos. What was the first viral video you did and what did it feel like to get those crazy numbers and that recognition? Well, uh, I, com I compartmentalize, did I just say that right? Um, the different, because <laughs> I've, I've lived on the internet in so many different ways, like I was, part of another channel before BuzzFeed and was not even what I do now. So I had like a video go viral with that channel. And then, and then when I was with BuzzFeed, that I had, I had a first time there. I had a first time at Me Too and then a first time with my own channel. Wow. So I would say the first time that I really felt something go viral, that, that was something that was close to me because you know cat like the kind of shit we had to do at buzzfeed was like <laughs> like what was the worst video i ever did like people react to canadian psa's like que carajo eso, dude like i wasn't proud of that but you know? and that goes viral in the sense that you do well for the company which is exactly good success. And that's a, yeah, yeah. That's a different kind of viral and it's like okay great i was able to like appease the buzzfeed gods but yeah the reality is the one that hit me the most was when my first Awelita video went viral on BuzzFeed. And I think it was the one where Awela um, mispronounces um, like retail store names like Home Depot and McDonald's and Burger King. And so we had like the logos pop up 
um, with the new spelling. And yeah. that one, I remember that one going mega viral. It, I think it went over a hundred thousand um, shares on Facebook. Wow. And yeah, so that meant a lot to me uh, because A, the character's based on my real abuela. B, it was a Latino, you know, video. Um, and it was a way, you know, we were, you know, Kat especially knows that we were struggling a lot at BuzzFeed to prove ourselves. We were like the underdogs of the company, you know, because Latinos don't exist. And so, you know, they didn't think, uh, the, they just didn't think it was going to work. Um, right. So that to me was a big, was a really big deal. I think that's why that one mattered the most to me. Um, I have a question. So th I don't think I've ever asked this one. Um, yeah, I know abuelas based off your abuela, but Loritza, Floyd, are those based off of people? Like, don't, you don't have to say who, but are they based off of general people or are there specific people who you can think of is your Loritza? Or um, Loritza you? Yeah, so <laughs> Loritza has multiple um, avenues in which she was created. So for, uh, I used to always do that accent for fun. Like, oh my God, like the, the, the super pesada Miami accent that most people don't even know exists unless you go to South Florida. Um, and so that accent, I've always, you know, fucked around with it. And then I started doing these like stupid ass, like Disney dubs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's where the voice came into play, like publicly. So all the Disney princesses basically sounded like Loretta. They're like, oh my God, like, you know, and people really liked the, like those videos started going viral. And I'm like, okay, let me bring this character to life and give her a face. The reason why she ended up being Maruchi's daughter, Maruchi and Loretta aren't exactly based on real people. It's that I did in Miami, like I never went to a salon ever, unless it was for someone's quinceañera and they were like forcing me to do freaking bucles and shit, like <laughs> at some like cuichi place. But for the, for the most part, all of my hairdressers worked from home and they all had daughters. And so, um, yeah, so it's more like that very Hialeah, like, ay, yo trabajo la casa con mi, ay. And the nail tech is like her best friend and she just comes over, make a couple extra bucks. And it's yeah. like, not even like a professional looking space. Like it's in like the laundry room. So Aita, like you see like clothes hanging and then the daughter comes in like, mom, where's my sock? Like these are real things that would happen. Yeah. Right. And I know these people personally, but it's like, again, it's not directly based on them, but the mod, like the molding of it, like the skeleton is it, it is based on them. Yeah. I was like, it would be really funny to like up the dramatics and make the daughter super pesada. Mm -hmm. she's always interrupting this peluquera who all she does is chief me and she doesn't know she doesn't really do her job right you know what i mean um and like almost all her clients are just her friends so all they do is drink wine and gossip <laughs> so just basically it me and you were peluqueras uh, gina do we just <laughs> <laughs> like it's the two of us if that was our chosen profession it seems like <laughs> that character's just a mix of all the people which I totally get. Sometimes you take the idea of a person and you see it in so many different forms where you're like, oh, I, this, this is part of the, who this is, but this is too. And this is from these three different people and you create this new person yeah, that is 
just sort of a, a mix of all of those people. But yeah. I wonder, do you have a character that, the, that you would say is the closest to you? Like any of them? It's, um, it's weird. Almost all of them are me to an extent. I feel like the two characters that aren't like me at all is Tia Gloria, <laughs> um, Maruchi. I wish I was like Maruchi. That woman has so much confidence, but not me. <laughs> um, and I guess I'm a little bit of flawed because I like not outwardly, but internally I'm flawed. Like I have extreme anxiety. Right. So I'm always like, eh, but I'm very much like Abuela because I was very much like my real Abuela who was also a Scorpio. Her birthday is two days before mine. Wow. She was a worry wart, siempre like worried about everyone. She wouldn't stop. So I'm very much like that. And then there's a little bit of like that Loritza sass, but then I'm also that, that weird gothy Latina. Girl. And then like this little nerd who plays video games. So it's all kind of like you mix. See, I thought it was Michi and Jess Laney, the goth girl. I felt like when you watch, if you know Jenny, you, Michi's this like little girl. It's like watching Jenny as a little girl. But Jess Laney is like this death is everything, black in the summer. Like, I, you know what I mean? It's that full Scorpio. And I'm like, if she had to be two of them, those would be them. But Flood is very you, like with the pots and the anxiety. That's, but I, that's what I love about it. Like if you watch, and I've, I've done this just in general, I probably would have done this if we didn't know each other. I just watched your channel and you really realize that this is one family. Like she's telling you one family's like story. And we all have like a Thea, like, you know, how Thea's can be raised in the same house, but be two very different people. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I love about like the universe, your character universe. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad it worked out. This was terrifying. <laughs> but I guess that can bring me to one of my questions too, which is what has been your most challenging character in your universe so far? And why was it challenging? Was it, you know, because it was too close to home or because <laughs> it was so far away from what you're used to that you really had to work on creating this character? Huh. Well, Initially, the scariest character to create was Maruchi only because it was the first character I really developed after Abuela. Now, remember, I was stuck with Abuela at BuzzFeed and at MeToo. I technically had Flor at MeToo, but she wasn't a developed character. She was just some like hectic Latina mom. And MeToo let me keep that character. But for the most part, I purposely wasn't developing any new characters while I was at these companies in fear that they would try to keep them. Right. I was only able to keep Abuela because Abuela existed on another YouTube channel that I worked on before BuzzFeed. Yeah. And you went into me through agreeing that Abuela was yours. Exactly. Right. So when I imagine, right? Like you, I think that was like two years and a half that I was just doing the same character and that people really liked that character. And I was like, oh no, like, are people gonna like this other one? So <laughs> I took a while to bring her out, but I think, and, and I even like went to one of my groundlings professors um, to like help me with her, like the way she walked, the way she talked, like I, you know, and 
what helped me though was that before I made the official, which you know, it's funny today marks two years from that first Maruchi Peluquera video. Oh wow! With Larissa, um, but before that, I think for Christmas I did a like Latin, what Lat, you know, what Diaz tell you during the holidays, and I kind of played around with different types of aunts, and that's when you first saw Tia Gloria, and that's when you first saw Maruchi. Then there were two other tias that I never brought back because I didn't feel as strongly about them. But I saw people really, you know, reacting positively to Maruchi and Tia Gloria. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that's why she was the most challenging. It's because she was the first after Abuela and I was terrified that she wouldn't be accepted or people would complain. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting because that like says so much about what it is to be a creator. Um, yeah. It's funny, I feel like on stage, I've noticed this with Gina and new jokes. And then uh, in the internet, it's the same thing with new um, like pieces. When you oh. go, are they going to rip me to sh shreds? Because they are expecting when they see Jenny Lorenzo or Gina Brion, a specific type of joke. Like they want you to tell the same joke every single time, you know? Yeah. But and then if the new one hits, great. But if it doesn't, it's almost as like a disappointed yeah, parent. Yeah. It's scary to experiment. Like, yo, I've been, I have a, a man peluca and I haven't, I've been too terrified to bring out my Giovanni character because he's not developed yet. And he's the first man I would be playing. And here's the thing, like the way, the way I view character acting, it, it needs more than just a wig and a costume. You know what I mean? And, I, and, I, and I, I'm not trying to, I guess I am throwing shade. I don't know what I'm doing, but you know, you, I see people try and I am not entertained or I don't fully invest myself in that character because it just feels like that person threw on a wig and then they're like, and they put a voice like this. And I'm like, okay, well that's, that's not enough. And that's why like Key and Peele, Portlandia, some of these sketch shows and SNL back in its heyday were so popular because they had really memorable, strong characters that you knew by name, that you looked forward to seeing every week. Oh my God, I hope I see Mango. Tu sabes, like I hope, even like all of that. Yeah. The repair man, 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 man. Like we knew all these characters um, by name, you know, Good Burger and stuff like that. So there's a reason why people get so attached. So it's all in the posture, it's the facial expression. It's all these, like you really become that, person like that's why I mean I love Fred Armisen for example like he's one of my favorite character actors of all time that guy just becomes that person yeah um, and it's little things he does and it's brilliant you know so for me you know quiero, I don't want to just put on the the outfit and then tweak my voice in post and call it a day I need to really figure out who Giovanni is and stuff like that that makes total sense. It's so funny because, um, so I, when I, the first time I went to your website, I think you had redone it. She took character pictures. And if you look at the character pictures, like each character has a photo shoot and you can see, I, and it's so funny because it's like looking at this person and it's the same face, right? Like it's Jenny's face, but in the expression, in like the way that she'll like move her lip and then like move, like have her arm placed. Gloria has a very different placing of her shoulders than Florida's, you know? Yeah. And it's like that what you're talking about. Like literally they have different wigs, they have different styles, 
But even you as a person, it's like your entire expression changes. That is when you really invest in, like you get lost. You forget you're watching Jenny Lorenzo or like you said, Fred Armisen. Or for me, I was recently watching, um, did you guys see Too Funny to Fail, the Dana Carvey show documentary? I have not seen it. You have to see this. You have to see it. It's so good. So you know, you guys know the Dana Carvey show, right? Yeah. So they had a docu- they had a documentary on Hulu about how much it failed and all the reasons why it failed because it was on ABC when ABC was bought by Disney because it was actually one of the first shows that kind of did what um, Portlandia and those things did but on primetime television they have this whole gag on how like it followed Home Improvement and you can't have sketch comedy that's like re- like the writers were people like Stephen Colbert. There was um, Steve Carell on it. There was a guy who, yeah, like you have to really go into this. You realize that show should have been more of a legendary show. It's such a good show. And I would say when I was watching that, I was just thinking about like, that is a good test of like, people who like, Dana Carvey should have had a better career than he did after SNL, but the choices that were made Mm. didn't take it there. You know what I mean? Because he was a character actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was brilliant. Yeah. And that's just, that also shows you how important, like, people might look at the industry or look at a show and be like, oh, that show failed because it was bad. And it goes, no, no, no. That show didn't fail necessarily because it was bad. That show could have been placed in an unfortunate time slot or followed something that bought a different audience. Like, is the audience for of middle America that's watching sitcoms gonna enjoy this sort of edgy, you know, envelope pushing, you know, sketch comedy show. The same audiences. And did you screw these people now because you put them in the wrong time slot? Yeah. I think that's the beauty of Hulu and Netflix that because it's not a time slotted thing. Yes. People who, especially with sketch, like you don't have to worry about is is it Saturday night? Like, no, you worry about, honestly, did it come out at a time when another sketch comedy show came out? That's probably your biggest worry, but not, am, is this too raunchy or not? But if you're on network television, even sometimes cable television, I don't know. I love traditional television, but I think it could be hit or miss for careers. Yeah. Fair so it's a big game when you get into networks and what I like about streaming is it's sort of evened out the playing field for a lot of people uh, creatively, where it's like, you know, you don't know what somebody's going to be into. You could throw some, you know, abstract show up there and it could do amazing because now fans of that type of show have more access to it versus knowing it's only on at nine o'clock after said show on Tuesdays. Oh no, I can watch a whole season right now of this show that I really love oh, cool, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to tweet about it. I'm going to go to Comic-Con for it. Like, all these things that you can get from streaming. So I'm a, I am a fan of traditional TV, too, but it is, it's a different game. So with that, with that being said, we have to talk Victor Valentine. Yes. We have to talk about that. Because, girl, that's a big deal. Yeah, like, it is. a big deal. For so many reasons, right? I, I mean, if people don't know this, Jenny is a huge fan of like um, you know, animated series. Yeah. So I know this is a, a dream job for you. You're not only an actor, but you're a voice actor. Yeah. And it's a Latino show. It's, you know, it's on Cartoon Network. Like, I'm sorry, for any kid of, especially a kid of the 90s, 
it's Cartoon Network. Yeah, That's a yeah, big yeah. deal. So yeah. tell me, how did that come about? Just like when you got that call, that audition. I gotta adjust my boobs real quick, Zoom audience. Do you? <laughs> no shame. I'm just I wish I had boobs to adjust. So bless. <laughs> um, mine are just there. Uh, no, man, it's crazy because I think back to when I used to go to the small comic cons in Miami and I used to meet up with all of the big, um, you know, voice actors like Rob Paulson, who voices in Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs and Ninja Turtles. And he and I talk now, you know, because he's such like a good person and he's so good to his fans. One thing I'll say across the board, most I'll say most voice actors are so humble and awesome and kind. Doesn't matter how big they are. And you're just like, you're SpongeBob. You're SpongeBob, which I got to voice next to Tom Kenny. Wow. He is Ice King. I'm a huge Adventure Time fan. And, and we were voicing right next to each other. And I'm like, you're fucking SpongeBob. And he's the nicest guy. <laughs> and, you know, not at all. You, can, not an, you can't even detect the ego. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, so I remember like, you know, this was back when I was early 20s. And I never thought I'd make it out to LA and I have the money for that shit. I was like, nah, you know, an impossible dream. But every voice actor that I would meet at these conventions, they're like, you need to move to LA. You need to move to LA. So then for me, that's why this is more wild than anything, aside from me being a grown ass adult who still watches cartoons. And so again, it's the reason I didn't have an agent yet, a voice agent or anything when I booked Victor Valentino. It's because the creator of the show, Diego Molano, he's Cuban, Colombian, Mexican from Miami. He had already known about me from his, from my videos online. And then we also had a mutual friend who also like connected us even more and like pushed it, whatever. And I remember we first linked up on Instagram. We were like chatting in DMs and stuff. And he's like, yeah, your videos are so funny. Like I'm going to try to get you in for an audition when the time comes like over a year passed and stuff like that. And there was a point where I thought I was definitely not going to ever be cast because he was like, unfortunately right now, all the roles are Mexican. And which is, again, this is great about him is that he's super authentic to the point that like all the Mexican characters are voiced by Mexican actors. Yeah. And so I was like, I can't be mad at it. Obviously I'm sad because I'm like, this is my chance. And now, okay. Um, why am I not Mexican? <laughs> I know. I'm like, ah! That is still a big issue in voice acting that they want you to be Mexican. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Caribbean and just like, accept yeah. me. Latino shows. Like, you know, they're the one day at a time is, a, is an exception to like yeah. the rule. But most shows still very much are heavily Mexican American stories. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I know and I get it. Um, but, uh, so but out of the blue, I remember I was rehearsing with Mimi and Laura for like our live show at their place. And then I got a text from Diego. He's like, I need you to record some lines. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, so I set for the, for two days in a row, we were trying to figure out this Lupe character. And I was sending him different, like on my phone. Um, Cause he's like, uh, it's basically they came up with this like character who sounds like a Cuban mobster. She's like a teenager. So she's like part of the crew, but she's kind of like a bully. Um, and that's why I ended up booking her. But it was a very, it was, 
you know, a fair audition, you know what I mean? Cause I know other people that went up for the part and stuff like that, but it all happened thanks to my videos that I was putting out there. So at least it, like yesterday I had an anxiety attack cause I was crying and shit about my career. Yo, that happens every freaking week for me. I'm like, Oh, I'm never going to be like these men who make videos like, you know, and they're like at this level and I'm still climbing slowly. So I'm always very hard on myself, but it's good to remind myself that I've been able to achieve big goals um, through the work that I put out there for many years. And I just booked another animated series. Can't talk about it yet. <laughs> you can say that. I don't know why these are Zoom applause. I can still do this on Zoom. I think Zoom applause because you see the green is around all of us. Yeah. If we're all clapping, Zoom doesn't know who to pay attention to. Oh, got it. Zoom is like, okay, pick one person or mime your claps. I think um, what you just said, Jenny, is like super true. It's like pandemic or no pandemic, performers have breakdowns on a daily, comparing themselves again to other people constantly because our favorite thing to do is concentrate on the losses, not the wins. Like what we should concentrate on is the fact that these are the amount of wins that I've had in my life. The losses are losses for a reason. Maybe they weren't for you at the time. Maybe it'll come back around. But our favorite thing to do is concentrate on everything we didn't get because, God forbid, we value the good. I know. What is wrong with us? Because we're performers and we're always going to want more. We're always going to want the things we don't get instead of celebrating the victories. Like, girl, too animated. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. That is parade-worthy, self-parade-worthy, incredible. And it took a while, too, because, again, I was, I was hard on myself because I was auditioning for a year straight with my agency because I got an agency after I booked Victor and Valentino. Yeah. And then I, I was like, audition after audition after audition. And they send me on really great auditions, like things that match me really well and stuff. And I'm not expecting to book right away, but after a certain amount of time, you start feeling insecure and you're like, I want to, I wanted to be able to book something the more traditional way. Yeah. Where these people don't know who I am. Don't watch my videos. Like I want to be able to book it by them just simply hearing my voice and going that one. And I finally did it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, good. <laughs> That's awesome. See, those are the thing. Those are the wins we need to definitely concentrate on, especially in the world of voice acting where it's like, you will go on a hundred auditions. You will go on so many auditions and they probably won't pan out. But the fact is you get that one and it's usually, it's what we talked about with Francisco. It's, you know, it's usually the one that you were like, really that one? They like that? Like, it's usually the one that you're like, oh, I just went in totally relaxed, just did my thing. It's yeah. never the one that you hype up and you stress about. It's the one that you went in with almost this low level chill confidence of like, oh, cool. Yeah, I just executed that. All right, I'm, I'm going to move on with my day. And meanwhile, they're like, she was amazing. Well, what's, what's crazy is that, I mean, they're all different, but all of my auditions I do from home or I go to just my agency, which I mean, we can't do that now, but you know, yeah. you get directed. So it's not like scary, like film and TV yeah. auditions and that's the main thing I struggle with across the board. I think as a Latina, I mean, look at me. I don't look Latina to by Hollywood standards. Yeah, like in Hollywood. Latina club. In Hollywood, you don't. But, yeah. they, but what is the Latina? Because I'm sorry, Dike. 
But this I, is what I've heard before. I'm telling you, like, you will get that from the industry. It's like, oh, you don't really look Latina, though, because they have a specific idea of what every sect of Latino looks like. Right. Well, without even knowing the proper definition of what it is to be Cuban or Puerto Rican or Ecuadorian. They don't know about the culture, but they have a mental picture of what they think you should look like to represent that culture, which is yeah. why we have Puerto Ricans playing Mexicans or this person playing this and whatever they think should be the projection. And which is why I appreciate authenticity in the business. When somebody's like, no, this role is for, uh, like I've gotten auditions for like Dominican people. And I've been like, I can't do a Dominican accent. I in no way, shape or form fit what you think is gonna look Dominican. So like, what's the point in having me come in? I can't yeah. fake an accent. Yeah, no. I'm terrible at that. No, I'm the same, but like people are like, oh, you, I'm like, I can do all kinds of voices, but I'm not good with dialects. Yeah. I, it's hard for me to do a Puerto Rican accent. It's hard for me to do Dominican. Um, even more so Mexican, you know? And I'm like, you know, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, there's plenty of other actresses. And you know, like even with voiceover, there's been some roles that they send me on that are meant for an African-American woman. And I'm like, okay, let's... <laughs> and I always have to remind my my agent sometimes and again this hasn't happened a lot but when it does i i obviously turn down the audition i'm like first of all i'm not gonna book it yeah but second of all god forbid i book it and then i go to a comic con as that character and all these young black girls are gonna want to see for somebody to look up to and then there's like a white ass cuban yeah yeah nope that's i've been sent on auditions for african-americans for tv and film and i'm like it says in the description, you are looking for an African-American woman. Or I'll get this, I'll get Tiffany Haddish type. Oh, you mean a black girl? And you still <laughs> had me come in to read for this role just because I happen to also be a comedian. And I mean, there have been so many auditions that whenever I read that, I'm like, are you serious? Y'all are going to send me in for this? Like, you can't find an African-American actress? Like, I know, there's like so many. And... <laughs> It's just them trying to test their luck. They're like, we'll send her. She counts. Well, that's also like the attestment to like not even respecting the art of like what is being written for a character. Like if it's yeah. a, here's the thing. If a character is not fully developed and then therefore they haven't figured out if they know they like the person's Latino, but they don't know what type of Latino. Yeah. Fine. Fine. You can test a Jenny Lorenzo oh, and, and a Gina Brion, but only under that like circumstance. If the person now, I also believe if the person was initially Mexican, but then Jenny comes in and kills it, yeah. but as a Cuban woman, then it's on them to go, does this person need to be Mexican? Do we need them to be this? Because maybe it could be better if they are that. Like we um, had uh, Francisco Ramos on, and he talked about how his character on Hintified wasn't originally Venezuelan. And uh, he thinks that what, what um, Nicaraguan said. And so he, he, did, he prepared with, a, with an accent. He did all that. But when it came down to it, they allowed him to be um, Venezuelan. And yeah. I think there's something even awesome in that where you're like, yeah, because there's going to be no more authentic than when the person is kind of being what they can. And representation also means just because you thought representation meant Nicaraguense and they're like not an A character, it could be a Venezuelan who is still representing for an entire community. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's personally why I love voice acting because it doesn't matter what you look like. Uh, you know, they just pick you based on your voice, but you know, hopefully I can get past that hump with the struggle um, regarding my appearance. And I'm talking more so with like Latino shows. I feel like I just don't fit the mold for most Latino shows that are out there right now. They, I just don't, it's not just about being a light-skinned Cuban. It's who I am, the way I talk. I'm like, my I'm very tiny. I'm like, uh, you know, you know, tengo hips, knee, freaking nah, you know? So there's so many reasons why it's like, mm, well, she's like a little too like nerdy white girl Cuban. That's yeah. not, that's not, mm. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for a voluptuous porn star Cuban. Do you guys know any voluptuous porn star Cubans that you well, can- that's why I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine, for instance, right? Cause like, yeah. Melissa Fumero is, you know, Cuban and everyone there is like such a, like an eclectic, you know, cast of yeah. different backgrounds and, it's not like hyper-focused on like their ethnicity. It's just who they are and they exist. And I kind of want to see more of that for Latino um, media. Yeah. Right, right. It's why some of the characters that I brought out, like the goth girl and stuff. And like some of us like, are goth. We're not all like the same. Like we go yes. what I appreciate about a lot of projects that I'll see now when they're done by, you know, Latino creatives is that they realize that just because you happen to be Latino doesn't mean that you can't be goth or you can't be preppy or you can't be this or you can't be that. You know, they yeah. add that element of you still are who you are. You have your point of view, which comes from how you were raised and quite often your ethnic background, which will influence your point of view. But that doesn't mean that you don't go down certain pathways. Who's to say you're not going to be a jock just because like, you have a Latino background? Yeah, like... That, that's where the universe needs to give Jenny Lorenzo her show with yes. all her characters. Yes. Because honestly, maybe the thing is nobody can write the role that you're talking about. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay too. Like you need to, you know what I mean? Like it really comes down to, I've also been watching a lot of Disney Plus and I only watch the docuseries stuff. Like the ones where they're like the backstory on Star Wars. I love those. And Love when I watch those and you think about these people who basically created not only universes, but entire industry standards, you're like, maybe that's where it needs to go for Latinos, where it's like, you know, when they talk about not having a seat at the table, making your table. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That table. For it's us, what we're in bed right now with uh, Los Espookies, right? Yeah. A bunch of like dark, you know, gothy macabre latinos you know what i mean and even um what we do in the shadows um guillen he's like the lead you know and he's a, a latino and like there's not they barely mention his latinoness it's just he ha he's latino and he's like a familiar for these vampires <laughs> like hey. that's what i want to see more of for latinos and granted like my shit's so heavily like very much around the culture but if i had which I am working on that. Like that is something that I'm actively working on um, is a sketch comedy show. And, you know, there's a lot of naysayers. There's people that are interested, but then there's people that are like, oh, well, sketch isn't a thing right now. When it's like, no, this comedian just, I'm forgetting her name now, but she just had a sketch show premiere on Netflix. Oh, um, Eliza Schlesinger. Yeah, she just had a sketch show premiere. I think Schumer's coming back out with one like, Sketch yeah. is definitely still a thing. 
So I'm like, why can't I freaking have one when I already have the proof that people like this shit? So we're, me and the girls are working very hard right now to hopefully, um, once this is all over, because imagina that now it's like, yeah. (laughs) How do you do it now? Yeah, exactly. We are writing. We're writing a lot. Yeah, now's the time to write and create and prepare for when this time period is over because despite all the people that want to take a negative view of how the entertainment industry will fall, um, there's going to be a need for content. There's constantly a need for content one way or the other. And with the world of streaming, with the world of digital, there's so many avenues where to reach success. I mean, look at Issa Rae who started out as a, an online digital sensation and now boom, she's, she's the it girl. One of the it people now in Hollywood started out with her own show and who's to say you couldn't create your own show, let it live on the platform you wanted to live because I think also an industry issue now is people in the industry need to see that something's successful before they sign on for it. So our battle is I got to put the time and the work in myself for you to what? buy my show after I've made it successful. Mm-hmm. And then I, but I do believe creating your own content puts you in the driver's seat of those deals where it's like, Oh, you want my show now? Well, it's going to take all these things that I'm asking for now in order for you to get this show that I already know is successful. Yeah. Which- yeah. Because I, I have faith in, you know, bringing these characters and, and, you know, what I do with Mimi and Laura in this sketch show that is, you know, placed in Miami, Florida. So for me, it's, you know, I definitely believe in us. I believe in the show. I believe in the comedy, but it's, it always comes down to that one person or network believing in you. Yeah. It's a full fact. It always is that one put your one in. Yeah. You know, we have a, a segment. You know about the segment, probably. It's a Dear Gina segment. Oh, shit. It's Dear um, Gina and Jenny today. Yes, Dear Gina and Jenny. Um, Gina, do you want to say the question? Sure, yeah, I'll go into the question here so we can all give a chance to give our takes on the advice that we want to give to this person. Um, Dear Gina, what is a recent struggle you've overcome that ended up bringing you actual success and clarity? I think that's a great question. Um, probably for me personally, my most recent struggle, both within the quarantine and within life is probably taking the time to take a step back and examine my actions that are repetitive and habitual and problem causing and reset and taking that step back and being like, being honest with myself and being like, well, what am I doing or not doing that is impeding my success? or my personal growth. I mean, like, well, am I being too lazy? Am I not pushing myself hard enough in this realm? Am I pushing myself too hard in the wrong way? And taking those steps to like, really step back and be like, all right, how can I work more efficiently, both on my personal growth and my career growth? And I think that's probably the biggest thing is just taking that moment of like, like meditating more and like, journaling more and and paying closer attention to habitual things that show up in my life. I don't like repetitive issues. I like them clarified and just fixed. So if something keeps coming up, I need to examine how I'm reacting to that issue. Because if I'm having the same calculated response, obviously I'm not solving the problem. 
So I'll pass it on to you, Kat. And if you want to then pass it to Jenny. Mm. <laughs> um, recent struggle. I mean, I guess quarantine, right? Like we all have the same struggle of going on what's next, what's happening. Um, for myself, I have been very lucky to be in situations where if I wanted to create, I could mostly create and then like have somebody else do the on-camera stuff um, because that's not really what I enjoy and like looking forward to um, in my career. But the struggle has been, dude, sometimes if you just want to make something, you got to put yourself in it. And it's not about wanting to be a performer. It's literally just doing it. Now, I've done it before, but I've done it in the exact same circumstance I'm in right now, which was at BuzzFeed, if they needed, if we needed an extra person and it was like, yo, Catherine, can you just be in it? Whoever, people knew I would probably say yes, but I wasn't the go-to, like, she's always ready to be like, I'm the next person in this. It was just like, Jenny has five people, but she needs six. Okay, cool. I'll do the six, right? How many lines I got? I just got to sit here and go, like, that's it? Okay, cool. I got that. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm like, <laughs> now I'm like, I don't have people around me, right? I can't do that. I mean, I could probably figure out a way to get it done uh, like through, through FaceTime, but something that's quick, something that's in the moment, it's really taking me out of my shell and back into like, listen, this is not being done because I want to be an actor. This is being done because at the end of the day, in order to continue to make anything, you are the only person you have right now. So it's built up a version of confidence that I felt like I could hide behind the camera and not have to explore. Um, another one is because I'm not creating characters. Um, I'm being a version of myself. I've always had like this tug of war with my accent. And so also embracing that and, and kind of being like, listen, some people judge it, but some people actually like it. That has found me success in a weird way because people actually really like it. Um, where when I was younger, I used to think people thought I was undereducated because I have an accent. Um, so yeah, it's just more getting out of my comfort zone because I got it. Like, cause I have literally no other choice. And so that's brought me some type of success um, personally, but also like having a video, like I went, this is nothing in numbers wise because you know, Jenny has like 500 million thousand gajillion people on her. <laughs> That's an accurate count. That's actually the count. That's math. Um, but <laughs> I realized I did one video and I was, nobody, I, I have nobody on TikTok that like knows me, knows me. So I had 25 followers. I put one video up in one day. It went up by 900 people. And I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. See, because I've done, I've had successful videos but I haven't had a successful page. Does that make sense? Like where people want to follow? And I was like- I'm not surprised though, Kat. I've been wanting you to get in front of the camera forever. Because <laughs> you are funny. Yeah. Like not, when you went viral with that shit, I'm like, not surprised. Yeah. Finally. You're like, um, finally, Catherine. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of where I am right now. Where it's like for anybody who probably you know, I did theater growing up, but more as a punishment because my because my teachers were like, she has a lot of energy. So, <laughs> yeah, and they, my mom was like, pero que hago con ella? And they were like, put her in theater. Like and I that, said, I get to be extra on purpose. That was it. That was the only reason I did it. <laughs> so when it came to a career, I was like, 
not what I want to do. So for anybody who's probably in that position like me, listen, I think that the best thing you can do is take what skills you have, see what happens, but don't worry for me. I don't worry so much about, I want to be famous. I want to be an influencer. It's more like, eh, if it doesn't do well, I think it hurts me less than it hurts y'all, you know? Um, but when it does do well, I'm not going to lie. There was for like a day. I was like, I'm a star. I don't know about you, but I'm a star. I'm famous now. If you keep up with that, though, I really feel like you'll become TikTok famous. Like, I'm yeah. not even And then I really feel like she would eventually hate it. And she would hate <laughs> being bothered by strangers. And <laughs> that would be gathering and be like, I this fame. She'll <laughs> <laughs> be invited to VidCon and get like bombarded by 12 year olds. I can't anymore. <laughs> I can't anymore. It's all on my picture. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Jenny? Anything that, like, recent struggle you've overcome led to success? Oh, I mean, I'm still on that journey. <laughs> but I think it's obviously recent struggle-wise, the quarantine. Uh, uh, for me, it's the fact that I, I can't work with my crew, you know? Um, that's And it makes it sound like I have this giant production company, but it's, you know, me... Christina, Kevin, and Ernie sometimes will film my stuff. And, uh, but yo, it makes a huge difference when you have, you know, this crew, these friends of mine uh, helping me and shooting and the whole nine. Uh, so I can't, we had all these plans for 2020 to do these like bigger, you know, parodies and sketches and really dive into the character universe and like pull out the drama and stuff. And then this happened. And so, uh, for the past, I've been home now for the past two months almost. So that means two months of doing shit by myself. I mean, yeah, I have my husband, but he's not a filmmaker. He doesn't have the expertise that Christina and Ernie do with the camera. And uh, so it's been very challenging for me. I kind of went into a slump uh, last week where I didn't feel like filming anything. I kept postponing one script because it involves me playing two characters and David playing the dad and um and I still haven't filmed that one I filmed a sketch yesterday that was a lot easier no I released it yesterday um and I'm finally starting to get the groove again and be excited but so it's kind of like ups and downs which I feel a lot of people can relate to because when the lockdown began and California started pretty pretty early I was like on fire, you know, like we, we, I was releasing all, and I was thinking out of the box and I was doing like FaceTime. I was doing shit before SNL started doing that shit. You know what I mean? Like, like I was like, okay, I'm going to do like a FaceTime parody and get Lauda and, you know, even a FaceTime with my own, you know, characters and, you know, well, David you and were I. Doing, you were doing what they followed because let's be honest, traditional now follows the gym. Like they act like they don't, but they see what works and then they go, we should be doing that. I'm like, welcome to my world, everybody. I'm seeing everybody with like, you know, uh, what what was the term? Um, out of focus, <laughs> like big stars, you know, and they're out of focus. I'm like, oh my god, I can't. Uh, <laughs> so uh, definitely, con online content creators have a huge advantage right now because this yeah. is like our like expertise. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so hopefully, after all of this is over, people have more respect for what we do because that yeah. was a 
that they're like, oh, it's, it doesn't look fat, whatever. But yeah, I, I hit the ground running initially. I had, I was like, da -da -da -da. because A, it just helps with my anxiety to create stuff. But B, I, it, for me, it's my way of giving back during this shitty time. It's like, make people laugh. Yeah. And then a lot of people would be writing me like, when is your next sketch? Like, it's the only thing keeping me, yes. you know, happy and whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so it, it is, man, it's hard to be funny. The sketches are keeping me alive. So <laughs> I know I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> and it's, and it's kind of an insane, uh, when you realize how uh, important your comedy is to people during this time, especially, yeah. and that's been that way, you know, the arts always boom during these times. And that's why I always tell people, Mita, after this is all over, you better keep respecting the arts and not just think it's, you know, it's something that could be like diminished in schools and in programs. Cause that's something that happened all the time in Miami. Yeah. You know, a lot of arts programs were defunded constantly. And um, so I would say I am succeeding, um, but it's like, I don't feel like I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of it all. There's no, there's nothing to figure out. It's literally just, I want to be able to look back on this time and go, you know what? Look at all the stuff I made while in quarantine without my crew. And I still did it. You know, it's just something to be proud of and keep the engine going because I don't, you know, everyone has their coping mechanisms, especially right now. Shit has not been easy for anybody, you know, some worse than others. So I'm not, I'm not one to judge. If you just want to play animal crossing every single day and not do a single thing other than that, that's what you got to do to feel okay. You know, but for me personally, I guess I'm too type A and too Scorpio to just kind of, let go of all the content mm -hmm. and when this is all over i'll be rusty and i don't know it's just a lot yeah. no. and, and again, it hasn't been it's been very grueling again i had an anxiety attack yesterday so yeah i totally i totally get that actually it's so funny because i i really believe this is a time of a, evening the playing field so like you said the the professionals the one who've been on sets for like ever don't know how to work sounds on a laptop. You know what I mean? You're like all this money and you don't know how to turn on the audio. But <laughs> I'm being honest, I feel like the thing comes down to there is a leveling of the playing field because there are people who will shine right now. And unfortunately, not to say, because I, I don't want to be the person who says everybody needs to be productive. No, I want to be the person to say, if you're fortunate enough that productivity is your way of coping, cool but it does even the playing field in the sense that we are all stagnant. So when we walk out of this, if people are respecting the creators who are digital creators, as in like, damn, they have to do all this stuff. Like they don't have these big sets. They don't have these 50 people crew. It's them and one other person or them by themselves. Imagine what they can do with 50 people. Yeah. Imagine what they can do with an actual writer's room. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think people ever thought that way. And this is forcing that. Yeah. I hope so, girl. I hope so. They're going to be looking at everybody who's creating content now and looking to see who got more popping off this or who got popping off of this. And the people, I'm trusting, the industry is always watching stuff like that. And oh. they're going to see how you 
how your stuff survived during this time and what kind of content you put out and the numbers, did your numbers go up? Did they stay the same? Are you getting more followers? Are your followers increasing by the day? What's your followership right now? What kind of content are you using that we can capitalize on for this project or that project? Or do we want to give you your own project because it's been so wildly successful what you did? So I think Catherine's absolutely right. I think this does even the playing field a lot. Um, I do want to thank you for coming on the show today because we had so much fun with you. Thank you for everything. Um, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your content, anything you want to shout out, go right ahead. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. This is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, you can, my handles are all over the place, but if you type Jenny Lorenzo, that's my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Jenny Lorenzo. I'm also on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Estoy en todo. I also have a TikTok. And then there's my website, JennyLorenzo.com, where everything is in one place. Y también Victor Valentino, the second season just premiered um, two weeks ago. So actually, uh, tomorrow, another episode, another two episodes of Victor Valentino. So supports Latino animated series right. and shows. There's a lot right now. You know, One Day at a Time is on Pop TV. A lot of people still don't know that. I'm like, no, it's on Pop TV. <laughs> yeah. Not my show. But I, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think like this is just a good time to find good content both digitally and on you know TV film to watch and support. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Catherine, tell the lovely people where they can find you. Uh you can find me on there's only three handles. There's the Instagram, the Twitter, and now I guess the TikTok. Instagram and TikTok are both Catherine G. Mendoza and then at Twitter is at Kathy Grace24. I, I never remember that. You. I was Let me tell you that Kathy Grace24. Here's why. I made my Twitter in 2007 and I made it in a time where everybody was like, you should make a Twitter. And I was like, what's a Twitter? And they were like, it's just like where you could put your thoughts. And I was like, so uh, it's like, remember Facebook used to have um do like it was like a do now, like what are you doing? Yeah. Those? Oh, so yeah. You don't remember that Facebook. What's on like, your mind today? What's on your mind? Yeah. So I was like, why would I have Twitter if Facebook lets me tell you a tweet, basically? So I made it just kind of like whatever, Kathy Grace, 2-4, because that's my birthday. And then I never changed it. So I'm not used to telling people Kathy or Grace. I don't refer to myself unless it's personal in that way. I was wondering about that. Like, what, what, what is no, you froze. froze. <laughs> of course, right at the end, we would freeze. Yeah, of course, right at the end, Jenny freezes. Let's see if we get her back. Hold on. God, give us Jenny back. Internet gods. Give us give Jenny us, back. Bring back Jenny to us. Bring back. Uh, the gods of Zoom. I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're gonna, I'm going to let Jenny freeze. There it is. Yay. Okay. So all I had to do was act like I was moving on, and the Zoom gods were like, Please unfreeze Jenny. No, I don't know what happened. No, I was asking, you have the check mark, right? Gina. I have a check mark, yeah. I don't, I, nobody's checked me. Nobody's checked yeah, me. That was a battle. That was a battle yeah, to get a check mark. What? No, because that that's weird because you were basically when you worked at BuzzFeed, everyone got a check mark because they worked at BuzzFeed oh. on Twitter. But I only ask about the check mark because that's the that's the only reason why I per I haven't been able to change my 
handle on Twitter because of the stupid check mark. You lose it if you change the the handle. That makes I'm not going through the battle of getting another check mark. Like it's like I'm gonna leave my handle like the way it is. <laughs> that battle to get a Twitter check mark and to be like, yo, I am who I say I am, son. I oh think I think that the so thing fun. for me comes down to like my name is so long on every handle. Yeah. That's the only handle that is actually really short. But I noticed I don't like professionally letting people know my middle name. So that's what I battle with. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the most first world problem type of situation. Oh, hilarious, cat. I'm like, Melissa, y'all want to know about everybody right now? My middle name is Melissa. I don't. I like. <laughs> I've always been that like creative who wants to have the G, just like, and people are like, what does the G stand for? And I, that's what, that's how I want when people do my my, uh, you know, the E True Hollywood story. Nobody ever found out what the G stands for. Yes, and if somebody's gonna be dumb and be like Grace, that's stand for Grace. Catherine, it's gonna be me. I'm gonna be like Grace. Y'all not know that. Y'all never seen her Twitter, Kathy Grace. Like how to. The easiest question to answer about Catherine. Her middle name is Grace. <laughs> you guys know you can find me at G Brion on Instagram, Gina Brion, pretty much across the board for everything else. Uh, GinaBrion.com or .net for the website. Uh, you can check out my HBO special, Easily Offended, on HBO Now or any uh, HBO streaming platforms. And coming soon, coming soon, drumroll please, is an hour for Amazon uh, called The Floor is Lava that uh, you guys will be able to see soon. I'll be announcing all of that really soon. Uh, you guys know I like to end the show with a piece of advice my mom gives me to this day. Um, when life is throwing a lot of things at you, just handle it one catastrophe at a time, people. Until next time, deuces. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks, Jenny. Oh, thank, thank you, Jenny. Uh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Do it like that. Yeah. You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Yeah. Looks damn good, but really she tight bad. Mm -hmm. Go to sleep, I call him my nightcap. Born killer, you a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.